You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. So uh, how are we doing today, City Church? You doing pretty good? Yeah. Sounds like you're getting in that Yuletide spirit, uh, ready to shop and all that. And with the shopping comes the advertisement. So I wanted to bring a couple of advertisements today that made a little bit of an impact on me. Uh, look at the first one is the Bowflex. Now, when I see the Bowflex one, it makes me not very content with my dad bod. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it makes me feel like I, I need to do something different physically. And some of you ladies see that ad and you're like, yeah, um, I'm not so satisfied. I'm not, I'm not so content with my husband right now. So uh, husbands, if you get a Bowflex for Christmas this year, it's not a good sign. That means it may be time to get to the gym. So the advertisements make us not content. Look at the next one. It's a Lexus. And I think the name, uh, the name of this car is the Sriracha, something like that. But I, I have no idea. But all I know is I look at the picture and I'm like, uh, I am not content with my car when I see that car because I could be styling and profiling, rolling down the road uh, in a Lexus if I could just afford the payment. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so it makes me not content with what I have. Now, when it comes to retail this year, the retailers, both online and brick and mortar stores, are really excited because the numbers have come in from Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and the numbers are looking really great. But according to Forbes magazine, uh, the next big thing for retailers, it's what's, what's called self-gifting, self-gifting. And there's another shopping day uh, that is not quite as popular here as Cyber Monday and uh, uh, Black Friday, and it's called Singles Day. Have we heard of Singles Day? Singles Day, that term was uh, coined by Alibaba.com, which is kind of like the Amazon.com of China. And Singles Day happens on November the 11th. It's a 24-hour period where you self-gift. You buy stuff for yourself, not for other people, because traditionally the holidays is about buying gifts for other people. But Singles Day is all about buying gifts for yourself, buying stuff for yourself. And the numbers are in on Singles Day this year. Singles Day generated over $25 billion dollars. And what that means is, is that now Singles Day, a day that's devoted to buying for oneself, has outperformed and generated more revenue than Black Friday and Cyber Monday combined. Let that land on you just for a minute. What is it about buying stuff for yourself? I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with buying stuff for yourself. I mean, we all need stuff, but could it be that the reason so many people are buying for themselves is because they're not content with what they have. They're not content with who they are. And you know, I think there are certain ways in which we should not be content with who we are, that we should always strive to grow and improve and all that, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about how when we're not content with who we are, it leads us to make decisions and do things that would actually make us less, see? Make us less of a person and less um, content in our lives. And what is the secret to contentment? I'm gonna get to that in just a minute, but we all have secrets. Some of you have secrets that are embarrassing, right? You wouldn't want anybody to know. I have, there are things about me, I, you know, 
I'm not going to talk about it. It'd be embarrassing for people to know. Now, don't you get too uppity on me because if I knew everything there was to know about you, I wouldn't talk to you. See, I w- wouldn't talk to you at all. And you probably wouldn't listen to me talk if you knew it. But the, so there are secrets, but then there's appropriate secrets that are not embarrassing, like passwords to online bank accounts and stuff like that. You should keep that a secret, shouldn't you? I mean, there's good secrets and there's bad secrets. And God is a mysterious, somewhat secretive God. Let me show you this in the, uh, let me show you this in the scriptures. Romans chapter 16 Verse 25, uh, God has a plan that's kept what? Secret from the beginning of time. Then 1 Corinthians 2, 1, Paul says, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's what? Secret plan. Then there's 1 Corinthians 2, 10. His spirit searches out everything and shows us the deep what? Secrets of God. And so God is secretive. He's mysterious on certain things and he tends to hide his will and his ways from people who are filled with pride or people who overly intellectualize things. I'm not talking about thinking through what you believe, but I'm talking about people who over-intellectualize in order to make themselves look smarter than what they really are because of their own pride. And God tends to reveal things to people who come to him with humility like little children and want to grow and learn from him. He reveals the mysteries and the secrets to the humble. So what is the secret of God? We're going to get to that later on in the talk, but one of the greatest secrets hidden from people is this secret of contentment. Why aren't more people content? We've already seen that the that Singles Day, buying for yourself, has surpassed buying for others. Why don't people get the secret of contentment. And we're gonna learn about contentment today from the Philippians and the New Testament book. It's a letter that Paul wrote to a group of people in Philippi called the Philippians. And what you gotta understand about this letter is he's writing to a group of people, for the most part, were slaves, service providers, and peasant farmers. So these were people that were living at or below the poverty level of their day. So keep that in mind as we read from Paul's words to them in Philippians chapter four, verse 11. He says, I've learned how to be what? Content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the, there's that word again, secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. And so I wanna lead you in what I'm calling today the contentment declaration. And here's what it is. I have what I need and I'm blessed. Would you turn to someone next to you and tell them this uh, contentment declaration, I have what I need and I'm blessed? In one of the earlier services, I saw a husband who turned to his wife and said, honey, you have exactly what you need and you're blessed, lady. So as I say that contentment declaration to you, uh, I'm gonna say, I have what I need, and I'm gonna point to you, and you're gonna say, I'm blessed, okay? You ready? Here we go. I have what I need, and I'm blessed. That's pretty good, isn't it? I notice you're smiling when you say that. And every time we say that, you're just gonna feel a little bit better today as you acknowledge, I have what I need, and I'm blessed, right? I am blessed. Blessed. So what reveals the secret of contentment? I'm gonna get to that here in just a little bit, but one of the things that we saw that Paul says in Philippians here is that I have to learn, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. 
So if you have to learn to do something, it doesn't come natural. It doesn't uh, come immediately, but you have to work at it. You have to practice it to become content. And Paul says here that he learned to be content with much, or when he had everything, when he had a full stomach, he had a tent-making business, and so he did real well for himself. He was a smart guy, and at times in his life, he had plenty, like he was well off, you know? And some of you know what that's like. Some of you do real well for yourselves because you've worked real hard and you've worked real smart and you've made a lot of money and that is good. That's a blessing that comes from God and you're learning to be content with having a lot of money, some of you. And you know, the rest of us who don't have a lot of money, you know what we do? We villainize people who do have a lot of money and the reason that we do that is because we're jealous most of the time, isn't it? But people, I've noticed that people who do have a lot of money, have done well for themselves, have to ask themselves the question of contentment. How much is enough? Because when you have everything you've ever wanted or everything you've ever dreamed, it makes you ask these questions in your heart because you have everything you've ever wanted, but you realize that deep down inside, there's something else that's avoiding you. The contentment avoids you. And a lot of people with money have realized that the money in and of itself does not bring them contentment. And most of the time, most of us, if we're asked how much is enough, we say just a little bit more, right? I mean, I'm doing pretty good and it changes you. The more you get, uh, the more you have to focus on contentment. So if you look at Bill and Melinda Gates, uh, they're very, very, very wealthy, right? And the majority of their wealth is being donated now to what's called the Gates Foundation that solves a lot of problems around the world, like, you know, uh, hunger and disease and things like that. And so now they've given, already given over 28 billion of their dollars to the foundation to help solve these problems. Um, That leaves them with somewhere around 56 billion dollars. So I think they're going to get by. They're going to be okay. But one of the things I was interested in is what they're going to leave to their children. Because if you think about it, if your parents had billions and billions of dollars, you would expect, you know, in the billions in your inheritance, right? Uh, Just mom and dad, you don't have to go crazy. You know, I'll take 20 billion, be fine. I, I think I can get by on that. But what they've decided to do is they're going to uh, leave to each of their kids 10 million apiece. Sucks, doesn't it, man? <laughs> Golly. Come on, 10 million? Is that it? So, but what they realized is the Gates realized that um, they're going to pay for their kids health care and education, but they expect them to get a job and be productive members of society because they realize this thing of contentment. How much is enough? How much is enough? Now, uh, Paul says also in Philippians, I've learned to be content with very little, you know, if I don't have very much at all. And most of us are people who have very little by American standards. You know, we're not all a bunch of rich people, but if we go to the third world, of course, we would realize, you know, we have that slogan, third world, you know, first world problems, because we realize that people in the third world would love to have our first world poverty kinds of problems. But you know how I know that even people with little don't learn contentment? is because how much debt people rack up. So a few years ago, we did this survey at City Church here downtown, and we did it at the Bandera Road City Church. And we surveyed people, asked how much consumer debt that you have. 
not including your mortgage or your house payment, but how much debt do you have? And what we found is, is that two of the city churches had accumulated over $50 million worth of debt. And so if we're paying like 10% interest on that, just give a round number, we're paying uh, $5 million a year just to banking institutions for, for interest. And that's not where I think most of us want our money to go. But you know why this year we can make a commitment together that we're not gonna go into debt to pay for Christmas? It's because we're content, see? You know, the, the most revolutionary thing some of you could do today is make a decision right, right here, right now, right where you're sitting. I am not going into debt for a bunch of toys that a year from now my kids aren't gonna care about anyway. To impress it, look, if someone, if a relative doesn't love you because you don't give them a good Christmas gift, you've got other relational issues going on there. But let's make a commitment this year to say, I'm not going into debt. I'll cook something nice for them. I'll draw something for them. I'll paint something. I'll do a creative writing. I'll tell them how I feel. But I'm not going into debt this year. And you know why we can say that? You know why uh, we can not go into debt? Because I have what I need and darn straight. See, it feels good, doesn't it, to just acknowledge it? Because you know what? If you go into debt for Christmas this year, it's coming in January, right? You're going to have to pay the piper. And some of you know that. You've experienced it before. It's like, oh, man, December was so great. And I got, my, I got caught up in my feelings because it's for the children, isn't it? You know, it's like for the kids. I got to pay for all this stuff on my credit card. But look, let's look forward to January, let's be wise, we don't have to go into debt because I have what I need and good. So whether you have much or little, you learn or work at being content by sharing, by sharing. Now look at what Paul says in Philippians 4.14. He says, even so, you have done well to share with me in your present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did that, did this. So of all the churches that Paul planted, some of them were in way more prosperous cities than Corinth, but the, uh, than, than Philippi rather, but the Philippians were the only ones that shared with him because they were, content. And that's why I wanted to bring something for you today. When you came in today, did you get the Strong Foundation Residence Needs List? Pull that out if you've got it. And we want to share in a smart way this year, don't we? We want to share with folks that um, families, some of the families of Strong Foundation are uh, regulars at our own congregation right here. And so this is not those people over This is our people. This is our friends and family, our spiritual family. And Here's the, the needs list, and here's what you do. You buy something from this needs list, maybe more than one something, and you're not gonna bring it into the theater next Sunday, but next Sunday, Humby's gonna have a truck trailer right out here parked where you can take it right into the trailer, put it in there so we can most efficiently get the supplies over to Strong Foundation to serve people this year uh, for Christmas. Now, you'll notice the things on the list. It's not just the stuff that you wanna like unload when you're cleaning out your garage or your attic, but it's like you buy new stuff or you buy uh, stuff that's on the list that's actually needed, see? Um, but here, let me show you this. And another way to learn to be content is learn to be content with positivity. If you look at Philippians chapter four, verse four, four Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then to say it once wasn't enough, he says, I'll say it again, 
rejoice. In fact, we have to make the choice to rejoice. You know what I'm saying? Because it doesn't happen naturally. And I see people come into church all the time, very negative, about to worship God, and they look like they got dipped in pickle juice, you know, the scowl on their face, you know. Oh, what's wrong with you, Jack? Come on, make the choice to rejoice. We have to choose to be positive, right? Uh, And you know why we can do that? Because I have everything, and I'm what? I'm blessed. I have everything I need, and uh, I am blessed. Now, what do you call people who are always negative and describe their whole life by what they lack? Well, that would be lackeys, right? We don't want to be lackeys. We want to be people that are content. This is why we want to be positive people who choose to rejoice. In fact, one of the first times that Paul went to Philippi, um, he actually went to jail. He went to prison. And you know what he did in prison? Even in prison, He worshiped God. He made the choice to rejoice. He chose to be positive. And that's when God did this great miracle. He shook the prison and uh, the Philippian jailer came to faith in Christ because of this. Um, So I wanna lead you in this little exercise here in just a minute. But before we do the exercise, I wanted to mention to you that uh, I was reading this morning that Southwest Airlines, they've had their 44th time in a row. Ever since they started that airline, they've been profitable. And one of the unique things about Southwest Airlines is that they expunge negativity from their organization. And I believe that's one of the significant reasons why uh, Southwest Airlines has not been like the other airlines who continue to go under and continue to get bought out by other airlines because they have created an environment of positivity. And one of the ways that we can stay positive is going through this, what I call the contentment exercise. And what you do in the contentment exercise is you write down or you type into your phone or you think about the, the, the things that make you feel content, the little things. I'm not talking about the big things, but I'm talking about the little things. And so let me give you some examples of this so that you know uh, in your own life how to uh, create a contentment inventory. Um, I like the morning. Here's one of the small things that makes me content is in the morning, I have my coffee, my morning coffee. It's a small thing, but I'm sitting there at the table in the morning, uh, I grind my beans, I put them in the, I do a French press, and I sit there, I drink my coffee, I look outside, there are birds flying around, stuff like that, I like that. That just makes me feel good. Anybody besides me enjoy the morning cup of coffee? The morning cup of coffee is a good time. Everybody's like, thank you, Lord, for coffee, man. I, I couldn't, do, couldn't do anything. Someone else was telling me this past week that the reason that... Um, they feel content is because they can afford to go and get a haircut and have someone else wash their hair. That feels pretty good, doesn't it? When you have someone else wash your hair, you get a haircut, that feels pretty good. Someone else tell me her birthday is, uh, was the day we got snow this past week. How many of you enjoyed the snow, man? Yeah, it's like, woo! Like, what is that soft, fluffy stuff coming from the sky? It's snow, I've never seen this in Texas. But uh, anyways, uh, that was a good day. See, we can be content because we see the snow. We can be content when the springtime comes and we see the beautiful wildflowers. You can say, I'm content because this year I have a job. Never mind that my boss is a wingnut. I'm gonna focus on the positive, right? That I have a job. And some of us love to work with the people that we work with. I'm blessed because uh, I have a group of staff members here that I love to work with, people that I love. And so uh, we can constantly say, I have what I need and I'm blessed, right? And one of the things that that Paul knows is that we're content, when we're content, God will supply for our needs. Look at what he says in Philippians 4.19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches 
which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And so God is not someone who's just barely scraping by to provide for your needs. He has all the wealth that you need to be supplied. Because some of you are in a desperate situation right now and you need God's help. I was talking to a friend this past week about this and about this passage. And he had a significant debt in his life because he runs a business, a very successful business. And um, he had had an employee who was stealing from him, embezzling. And in addition to that, when he was going through that hard time, uh, he had someone steal his identity. And so he was like in this huge debt and it had gotten so bad that he couldn't even afford to pay his property tax. Even though he had this good business, he couldn't afford his property tax, so much so that uh, his property tax issue had been put off so long he had to go stand before a judge for it. And he was in the truck on the way to uh, talk to the judge. And you know how much he, he owed this judge? He had to pay $22,000. It's like, dang, if I had a, if I had a debt of $22,000 that I had like one payment towards my debt, uh, it would crush me. But he's on the way, but this is a guy that always, you know, trusts God and that always uh, shares in, in, in that. And on the way, in the truck, he gets a call from his brother at the office that he had gotten a deal closed and that would get my friend a bonus check of guess how much? $22,000. Instead of going to the judge to plead for mercy, he went and wrote a check for the exact amount because it came in. And I thought, that is a big God that can do that. But God is much bigger than that. In fact, my friend, uh, I think it was last year or the year before, he went with me to one of the local schools here in San Antonio in the inner city uh, where some years, you know, we'll tell the school, we're gonna help you with something that you need. And I'd promised these two principals that we would provide coats for the kids at their schools that needed them. And so this friend of mine that I went with me, he had contributed to this and he said, hey, look, whatever the congregation didn't come up with, um, I will give myself to make sure all these kids get coats because God's provided for me. But he still had this significant debt over his head. And so we went, we visited the principal and uh, he's in his truck right back here behind Cameo and he starts crying. He, he was in there and I, I went, I, I'd gone in the office for something. I come back out to talk to him and he's crying in his truck. And I'm like, hey dude, what, what's wrong? Are you okay? And he's, he's like crying. He's like, God is so big. Our dad is so good to me. He provides everything I need. And he said, I just got a call. I got a, I got a bonus check. And this has never happened before. And he was telling me recently, it's never happened since. That day, he got a bonus check for $100,000 that completely paid off all the debt that he had from those years ago. And the reason is because our God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So, where does an ultimate sense of contentment come from? Well, certainly the Bible teaches us that it comes from Jesus. Look at what Paul says in Philippians 4.13. For I can do everything through who? Christ, who gives me strength. So that means for you and I, some of you are in a debt situation you think you can't get out of. 
God can get you through Christ. You can get out of debt because he knows a thing or two about paying for debts. Jesus paid the debts of the sins of the whole world, right? And he can get you out of debt if you'll trust him. Some of you are going through a painful holiday this season like I am. Our family lost my father-in-law, a man that I loved dearly. Of course, it had a huge impact on my wife as her father, great father. And this is gonna be our first Christmas without him. But we're gonna make it through because we have hope in Christ, see? Because we know that he died and went to a better place in heaven and that we'll see him again in the afterlife. We know this in Christ. Some of you are worried about having to deal with relatives that just drive you crazy. It's like, you're going to have to see those relatives and it's like Uncle Tony or Aunt Betty or whoever it is that uh, they just are a burr under your saddle. But you know what? In Christ, you're going to make it through even with the jacked up weird relatives that freak you out. You know what I mean? Jesus knows a thing or two about loving people who were trying to crucify him and who uh, were not cool to be around, you know, in Christ. I have family members that aren't getting along like I want them to, but I'm going to get through the holiday in Christ. See, some of you can achieve the goals that God has placed on your heart because you're in Christ. He's risen from the dead so he can help you accomplish your goals. Some of you can overcome an addiction and you think to yourself, Pastor Doug, if you only knew, man, I mean, I've struggled with this for so many years and I've even relapsed in recent days, but you can overcome it in Christ. Look, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times but gets back up again. And in Christ, he is not pressing you down or hammering you down. When you've fallen down, he's reaching down to lift you up if you'll grab his hand, see, in Christ this year. Some of you, it's about overcoming self-hatred. It's like you hate who you are and you see the advertisements at Christmas with all the perfect people and the pretty people and the beautiful people who look so good in the advertisements. You think, my life is not like that. And you hate your life and where it is and where it's going. But in Christ, see, you can see that you were so valuable that he died for you just like you are. And then most importantly, some of you, can believe today that you can have a relationship with God because of Christ, see? And I know people walk in here all the time who think, Doug, if you only knew me and knew all the bad stuff I've done and uh, how sketch I've been, you would never say that I could have a relationship with God. And you're what we call our spiritual investigators. You know, you're trying to just figure out if God is for real. But I want you to know today that you can have a relationship with God because of Jesus, and he's died to cover you. See, he died on the cross to cover your sin. In fact, the very fact that you have this desire within you for God reveals something about reality. It reveals that desire inside, reveals the secret to ultimate contentment. I learned about this from the great C.S. Lewis, who was, of course, the professor of English literature at Cambridge. And as a kid, he tells a story of um, going through kind of the confirmation process at his church. And he was confirmed into the church a hypocrite because he really didn't buy into it. In fact, he took his first communion, just it was a lie, but he just didn't have enough courage to stand up to the rest of the family and tell them, I don't buy into this, I don't believe any of this. And so he was confirmed a hypocrite. And like a lot of people do, when he got old enough, he went out and did whatever he wanted to do, right? He completely left the church, and you all have friends and family that have done that. Some of you have done that. And he just left it all, and he pursued contentment through pleasure and sex. 
enjoyed it for a while. And then he started spiritual conversations with one of his academic colleagues. And because he was experienced at literary criticism, he couldn't write off the historic accuracy of the Bible. And through reason and logic, he came to believe in God and through further conversation came to faith in Christ. And here's what he describes about the desires of his heart. He says, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there's such a thing as sex. Check this part out. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And look, 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 look. Some of you have this desire for God. You were drawn here by it. And that desire is for someone else. It's another world. It's an eternal kingdom. You know, the great Catholic scholar Augustine, his story is very much like C.S. Lewis says. He was a very intelligent guy. And he pursued contentment through pleasure and sex, a lot of it. When he finally came to Christ, here's what he said. Thou hast made us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Isn't that the truth? And some of us have come to church today, spiritual investigators and Christians alike, with like restless hearts, like looking for something. And a lot of us who are Christ followers, even though we know Jesus and we know the way, it's like sometimes we need to recalibrate, don't we? We need to realign our hearts to focus on Jesus as our contentment. Because some of us who are Christian singles, we think, uh, you think, hey, you know, if I just have the right relationship with the right person, then I'll be content. And that is a good thing to have a good spouse. But ultimately, it's not about your spouse, it's about Jesus. Some of you think, well, if I just get the next level of employment, I get a promotion, then I'll be content. No, it is about Jesus that brings us contentment. And some really devoted like Christian people will say, well, if I just get the next good Christian book that like intellectually stimulates me, that'll make me content. No, it's in the presence of Jesus that you find contentment. If I like hear the greatest podcast or I hear the greatest preacher, it'll make me content. No, it's just in his presence. Like I'd experienced it a little bit yesterday. I was in the attic and I was doing work around the house and I had this worship playlist going on my phone and that song that the band sang earlier, What a Beautiful Name It Is, started playing. And I don't know what just hit me, but it's just the, my eyes, spiritually speaking, open to the reality of his presence with me in the attic. I fell down on my knees and worshiped and raised my hands and tears are going down my face. I don't know, what, what? I'm just doing chores. What happened? What just happened here? But it's a connection with him, Jesus. See, nobody can do that for me, but Jesus. We find our contentment in him. And some of you who are spiritual investigators, you've, you, you already know this to be true. You wouldn't be here today. You have a desire in your heart and you want something more out of life and you don't know what it is. You're like, okay, look, I've tried to party because, you know, I grew up on MTV and it's like, you know, hey, if you just party and, and have a good time, you're like, hey, cocaine, it's really cool. But in the end, it didn't fill the void. I, I, I tried meeting a lot of whim, women or a lot of men or whatever, and it was fun for a while, but it, just, it didn't fill 
my heart. It didn't make me content. I know that doesn't work. And for some of you, you think, well, I'll just have a family and, you know, I'll have the 2.5 kids, you know, plus a dog and the suburbs and it won't fill me. Ultimately, it's all good stuff. Good stuff sometimes we do. Get another promotion and the job. Ultimately, it's about nothing else except him. That's why Paul, in another place in the Bible, he said, I desire to know nothing among you, nothing among you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It is about him. And so look, it could be in his grace, his mercy, his providence, that he worked the circumstances of your life to be here in this room today, to hear not about this church, but about him, see, and it would be totally appropriate to talk to him right now through prayer and invite him into your life. So how about we bow our heads and close our eyes? And if your heart's desires stirring you towards him, maybe you'd like to just talk to him right now. And you're like, well, Doug, I'm not the praying kind of person. I mean, I don't know what to say. Well, that's why I'm gonna feed you some words. You don't even have to say it out loud, but you just think this prayer in your heart you can come to know him, Jesus. Just say something like this. Hey, look, God, I've been desiring you and I've wanted you. And I didn't even know that you were what I was looking for. But I'm choosing to admit to you today, I've screwed some stuff up and I've sinned. But right now, the best I can get it, I'm choosing to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and I want you, Jesus, in my life and I welcome you into my life. Father, I thank you for those who just now prayed that. Thank you. Please protect the seeds that have been planted in hearts all over this room today. And Father, for the rest of us, who know you, and we've been looking through all kinds of different things for contentment, whether it's the next Christmas present or another car <laughs> or another level of retirement savings for contentment, we realize that the end game is not any of that, but it is you, Jesus, more of you. And our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you, Jesus. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.